The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 659, recorded on August 10th, 659th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 492nd episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dinser. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The PGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. And no gaming flashback. Nope, none. <laughs> huh, you guys will have to forgive me this uh, this one. I uh, I just came off of EVA 2022 and my voice is feeling roughshod. Well, guess what? Some of the news <laughs> is going to be about EVO. So there. <laughs> so, in terms of what we've been playing, I'll start first. I've been playing all the DLC from Fallout 4 because um, they had a sale for um, the uh, Game of the Year edition, which has all the DLC, for $14. So, And I had uh, $11 credit, so I just bought it. Um, Nuka World is okay. I don't like the latter part of it where it's a, an item hunt. Just really boring. Far Harbor is really good, except the one mission that everybody knows about, apparently, because I looked it up to see how many people hated the mission, and yeah, everybody hated it. The uh, Best Left Forgotten mission, which is Best Left Forgotten. For those who don't know, that's the one in which you go inside a computer and you have to do a bunch of puzzles. And the first four puzzles are fine, but the fifth one is a long slog and not very fun at all. And it breaks in, in from the... Uh, from the game entirely. So, I also found this playthrough was pretty buggy because uh, certain characters would not move on, and they wouldn't move on from their Desdemona until I actually finished the game and blew up the uh, thing, and then finally she started responding to everything. Because all during that, she kept on saying, well, are you going to choose us? Uh, are you going to choose the, the, the Minutemen over us? Are you going to choose us over the Minutemen? Get out of that. I want to just... She's... Uh, I was supposed to complete a mission by talking to her, but she wouldn't talk about anything else. And she wouldn't talk about it until after the Institute had been blown up and her complaints about me choosing the Minutemen were were, were um, non-functional. Hmm. I didn't even bother doing anything with the Brotherhood this time. I didn't. I, I saved Paladin Dance and that's it. I didn't go with him. Although I will say, again, it's amazing they found a voice act who sounds exactly like George Clooney. Exactly like George Clooney. When you listen to him, it sounds like, oh, they got George Clooney to do the role. Hmm. You know that, right, Scott? I didn't know that, no. I don't remember which character was that. I don't know. Paladin Dance. He's the one who gets you into the Brotherhood. Oh, okay. Um, he sounded exactly no, I, like it, George Clooney. Okay. Probably does. I just, I don't know. I, I didn't think of it at the time. Okay. Um, I haven't done any of the – there's um, other DLC I haven't uh, tried yet, um, and I know I can access it because they, they appear as radio stations, so I'll probably try those. And one of them is a robot one, and I think the rest of it is just you know stuff you can build with your uh, with your colonies, which I never really gave a rat's ass about, although I did enjoy the, fall, uh, the Vault 88 thing. So what have you been playing, Scott? I've been playing more of Live Alive. I'm okay. almost done with it now. I've uh, <clears throat> I've done 
the uh, what were the, okay, I did the Wild West where you had to go around setting traps, and uh, that was fun. You know, you, you collect the traps and you set them, and you watch this uh, bandit gang get all blown blown to bits by all your traps. So that was that was entertaining to see. And then I played the Far Future, which was a lot like 2001 Space Odyssey. And it was very, uh, soap opera kind of watching and you, there wasn't a whole lot of battles. There was like a little side video game mechanic thing that you could play. Uh, so that was, you know, entertaining. I did the wrestling in present day, which was very quick. It was like half an hour and you just do these, uh, fighting matches one after another and then you're pretty much done with that chapter. And, uh, I did Imperial China which is where you have to train up a student to be your uh, your replacement, and then that replaces that character, and you use that one later on. And <clears throat> I'm currently on the last of the main chapters, uh, the, the ninja, where I have to do stealth mode and not fight enemies and try to, you know, steal my way to get to this uh, uh, person that's in prison that I need to free. So it's it's really interesting that this game has so many different eras to live in and characters, but also mechanics are different in each one, and it, it makes it a very different uh, experience. You know, they should remake, which was it, Ultima 1 or Ultima 2? Um, the one in which you go to all the planets in the past and the future. You know what I'm talking about? Which one? Have you ever played Ultima? Yeah, yes. One of them has you going into the past or the future and going to the nine planets. They should remake that one because it's just like going everywhere. It's like so bizarre. <laughs> I think it was Ultima 2. So. DJ, did you play anything besides Evo? Um, let me. No, not really. <laughs> okay. It was, uh, it was all I could do. I was, uh, okay. I was. I was well, training and keeping my stuff together, and then, and then uh, they put a new character out in Guilty Gear Strive this week. So I went, e- so even after Evo ended, <laughs> I went back to Guilty Gear Strive and started grinding on the new character to see what I can figure out. Who is it? Um, it's Bridget. So Bridget is a character from Guilty Gear X2, and maybe one of the most interesting, for better or worse, characters in all of Guilty Gear. Bridget is a uh, born boy who was born to twins in a village that believes that having twins is bad luck and would kill twi- uh, the, one of the twins. And so Bridget's parents ra- raised him as a girl in order to keep him safe. And then he went to become a bounty hunter uh, to try to break the superstition that uh, twins are bad luck. And uh, so Bridget comes back in Guilty Gear Strive and is now canonically trans in prison. And like it's kind of like like Bridget's whole narrative is learning to accept herself and and be who what makes her happy. But more importantly, she brings back a very interesting play style. Bridget uses yo-yos as a weapon and. one of the gimmicks behind that is that Bridget can throw a yo-yo out as a projectile to hit enemies, and then it'll stay in place on the screen. And Bridget can 
use other attacks to sort of navigate around the yo-yo that's set in place on the screen. Um, it makes for a very interesting projectile and like sort of plant and uh, pole gameplay style where you where you try to like work around your opponent, use long range moves, set your projectile and then and then like use mobility to navigate around the projectile and your opponent. Um, it's a very interesting character. I like, I kind of like the way they went with the story because, uh, it's a very actually heartwarming story and very, very progressive for, for Jet, Japan where like there's, they're not as far along when it comes to like gender and equal rights between genders as a lot of places. They're better off probably than the USA, but still not very not in a very great place when it comes to that stuff. So, yeah, I played the heck out of that this week. I love playing Bridget. I love playing Guilty Gear, and season two is off to a great start. And of course, I played a bunch of Evo, so I couldn't be more happy. Okay. Anyways, uh, we're gonna move on to the quick news. Um, one is the Battalion 1944 Studios splits with Square Enix, announces a free Legacy Edition coming to Steam. Um. So this was a Kickstarter game back in 2016, and they had promised a console version. Well, Square Enix uh, uh, Collective acquired them, or at least a 20% stake, and the game never took off. Um, it's been stuck in digital. Di- the concurrent player count has always been has been stuck in di- single digits since mid 2020. So they can't afford to make a console version. But on the other hand, they are refunding everybody who ordered the, the console version on their Kickstarter. Um, and then they're gonna have a free version to see if they can't bump up some of the uh, some of the player count. So for those who don't know, Battalion 1944 is basically a Call of Duty type game. So one of the uh, a callback to the early ones, you know, like one and two. Um. This is very interesting because like Square Enix is in an odd state where like it seems like Square Enix has always favored their their Japanese company their their Japanese studios and developers over like the western studios that they picked up but like you're really seeing it over the course of these last few months where like they're selling off some of their western studios some studios are breaking with uh, Square Enix altogether it's 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 weird. What yeah, so here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of – remember all the rumors in the past few weeks that Sony was going to buy Square Enix. That's not going to happen. Instead, what Square Enix is doing is they're allowing people to buy exclusives from each of their studios instead, game-by-game game basis. Hmm. So it's an interesting – go ahead. What are they trying to accomplish, I wonder? Well, um, they're getting people to instead of getting purchased, you know, instead of someone one company buying them, they've instead to to give it a, like a potpourri thing, and um, they feel that they'll make more money that way and still retain their own autonomy. So it's like you know, uh, this company is uh, if you want to hire this company and for yourself, you know, to have an exclusive, go right ahead. So it's going by game by game basis. An interesting way to do this, you know, rather than be bought by Sony or Microsoft or whomever, they're just going to let, you know, I mean, if uh, Sony says wants to to fund the next Final Fantasy game and have exclusivity, go right ahead, but it's going to cost you. 
And remember, they've they've let go of all of their Western studios too. Eidos is gone. Um, what was the other major company that a Western company that um, that Square had under its pocket? Uh, they're gone. You know, so they divested themselves of all the Western things, and they're just basically going on. See, here's the thing. Uh, Twenty years ago, Japan accounted for fifty percent of all console sales, right? Games and sales. Um, in the past few years, it's now down to 10%. And they cannot keep up financially. So this is their way of keeping up financially. Hmm. So. It's odd because, like, they, they really are kind of bottlenecking them into the, a place where they kind of just have to rely on Final Fantasy fourteen and other Final Fantasy titles now. Yeah. Doesn't also Dragon Quest bring in good money and i know that they did pretty well with octopath and triangle strategy so that's just it they don't want any one 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 uh publisher like microsoft or sony to own it and not let you know and not let anybody else have it you know they don't want say dragon dragon quest or yakuza uh, to be you know only on one console because they started making a lot of money when they released it on pc and xbox so uh, moving on, uh, secret, uh, Super Punch-Out! Secret two-player mode is uncovered after 20 years, plus a single-match selection screen. <laughs> this is really... Have you seen this? Uh, I have not taken a good look at it, but it sounds like incredibly whack. This is just something that was in the original game? Yeah, so the first sheet unlocks a, sl- a stage select screen, which you could pick any, fi- any boxer to fight against, right? And then... Um, it's accessed by holding down the Y and R on controller two, then hitting A or start on controller one. The second sheet allows you to play with someone else, which is weird for, for a super punch out. And this has been in the game for 28 years after its release on the super Nintendo. Yeah, this is wild that somebody discovered this so many years after that game has been out. Like that is, that is some deep, 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 deep cut history right there. <laughs> yeah. It makes me wonder if there are other secrets that are just embedded in Nintendo game code that nobody has just nobody thought to look for it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, moving on. Um, and now we're going to get into Evo territory. Okay. So the first thing that's associated with Evo. Bandai Namco seems to be teasing Tekken 8. Uh, this is a, the brief appearance came after an update announcement for Tekken 7. So, um, so you were there. Uh, what, is, what is your mood on having a Tekken 8? Um, I'm excited for a Tekken 8. It's time. It's been like since 2015 that the, that Tekken 7 has been out. So, uh, if you're not counting Street Fighter X Tekken and Tekken X Street Fighter. Yeah, so like it's been a while since there's been a new Tekken game. And they didn't explicitly say it was Tekken 8 so much as it's a new Tekken game. It could be Tekken Tag Tournament 3. Yeah, I mean they showed a face. <laughs> they showed a clip of a face. Um it was very interesting too. I was actually down on the floor at, at Evo when that announcement was made, and they did a very strange thing. They uh they <laughs> They finished the they finished the finals of uh, of Tekken Seven for that evening, 
And then they launched into a new ad and everybody thought, oh, no. Oh, my God. They're going to show a new game. And then they showed uh, the return the of the Tekken, the Tekken Tour, <laughs> the Tekken World Tour uh, competition series. And uh, and then they showed uh, the balance patch and everybody kind of got deflated. And then by the time they finally showed that, like, 10 second teaser, everyone was just like, kind of what? What happened? Is that, is that a new game? Okay. <laughs> the thing is that uh, that reminds me a couple of years ago when before they announced Gears of War 5, they showed uh, Gears of War. Uh, oh, I forgot what those stupid little dolls are named. You know, the ones that, that are uh, all the same looking. You know what I'm talking about? Pop top top cap. No, something like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then they revealed, and then they after they showed that, then they revealed, uh, yeah, it teased that a new Gears of War was coming. So it was like Microsoft was teasing them with something that looked really lame, and then they uh, showed the new. As a matter of fact, that game never came out, so I think it was just a joke. Um. Anyways, uh, so we're gonna go into game near, uh, news and some more Evo news. Take away, take it away, TJ. All right. Fatal Fury returns after more than 20 years from Eurogamer. SNK's classic fighting series, Fatal Fury, is getting a new entry. Announced this weekend during EVO 2022, the as-yet-untitled new Fatal Fury game will be the first for more than two decades. New Fatal Fury, Guerrero is greenlit. A teaser video proclaimed alongside a glimpse of fresh artwork. SNK followed up this announcement with further confirmation in a tweet, though little more information was offered. Legends never die, SNK wrote. After more than 20 years, Fatal Fury slash Garou is coming back. Finally, the long-awaited sequel has been greenlit. Fatal Fury has been has remained dormant since 1999, since the 1999 entry Garou Mark of the Wolves. Though star Terry Bogard popped up several times since, Bogard was a guest character Sorry, though star Terry Bogard has popped up several times since. Bogard was a guest character in Nintendo's Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as, and has appeared alongside other Fatal Fury characters in the King of the Fighters series. There's no word yet on when Fatal Fury will be released or what pa- platforms it might materialize on. This is a long time in the making because the the uh, the lead on uh, Guerrero, Mark of the Wolves is the same guy who's directing this and he, it took him about uh, more than we're talking like 21 years to get the, to make this happen he uh, he really wanted this to happen he really like Guerrero, Mark of the Wolves ended on a cliffhanger for a lot of the main characters and there's been uh concept art over the years of things that the director wanted to do had he been given the chance, but he never got the chance. So here we are. King of Fighters 15 is maybe the best the series has ever been. And now we're going to finally get that follow up on a uh, girl, Mark of the Wolves. And it's, there... absolute, it's absolutely going to be girl, Mark of the Wolves too. Well, what is the, um, <laughs> what is the difference between uh, King of Fighters and, and uh, fatal fury? The difference is that, uh, is that character like Fatal Fury is where Terry Bogard, Joe Higashi, Andy uh, Bogard, and a few other characters come from. It's their original franchise. Um, 
King of Fighters is a compilation game which takes characters from a lot of different series, including uh, Fatal Fury, Art of Fighting, and a few different other places, and uh, brings them together in kind of a dream match type setting. Is there a gameplay difference? There is. Uh, King of Fighters is a team-based fighting game where you pick several characters to form a team. And uh, Fatal Fury is a one-on-one character versus character fighting game. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, how was the reaction on the floor? Very excited. This has been like – not only has this uh, been a, a like a dream project for SNK's director and King of Fighters 15's director, but like everybody has wanted to see this. Garou, Mark of the Wolves is widely considered to be one of the best old-school fighting games of all time. It's very polished. It's very pretty. It's got a very cool uh, cast of characters, and uh, yeah, it's it's it, it it has a lot going for it that never that never materialized in a sequel until yeah, now. What is what is SNK be doing? Uh, SNK been doing all this time. Dead or Alive and King of Fighters, and that's it. SNK was kind of in trouble for a bit because they were putting out games, but not nearly at the pace that they were going now. They had a they had a few things, but I feel like they really got into the, they really found their footing and and really got into their current stride when they released Samurai Showdown in 2019. Oh, I forgot about that game. Yeah, and remember everybody, uh, SNK is the uh, is the source of the SK, SNK boss bosses that are so unfair that it's almost luck to defeat them. <laughs> yes. That's actually something that they leaned into in King of Fighters 15. They brought back uh, a character called Omega Rugal, who was a notoriously, ridiculously hard boss from King of Fighters both 97 and 98. I remember the boss from uh, one of the uh, Dead or Alive's in which she was basically a green glowing thing that could take 75% of your health if you didn't dodge one of her attacks. That was really annoying. That's At least I defeated her and got the uh, movie for it, but still... Mm-hmm. And like this is at like this is absolutely going to be Guerrero Mark of the Wolves too because they had Rock Lee, uh, Rock Howard up front on that promotional art who is the main char- who is basically the main character of Guerrero Mark of the Wolves and then there's a shadowed character off to the side that looks like ninety I'm ninety nine sure that it's the boss character from from the first Guerrero Mark of the Wolves. All right. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next time. Take it away, uh, Scott. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, Splatoon 3 gets three-way fights uh, in the demo later this month. This is from Eurogamer. Splatoon 3 just got a serious deep dive thanks to this afternoon's Nintendo Direct, revealing new levels, new weapons, and all-new approach to Splatfest that will introduce three-way fights into series for the first time. Two-way fights come as a part of returning Splatfest, with matches during the special-timed events being split into two halves, with the first part a traditional 4x4 face-off, while the second sees a 4x2x2 fighting for territory. 
there'll be a chance to sample this particular new flavor of Splatoon during Splatfest World Premiere that's taking place on the 27th of August. Effectively, a free demo where players can sample Splatoon 3 for a limited period, choosing to fight for rock, paper, or scissors. It's worth noting that the demo will be playable from the 25th of August, giving a small window for practice before the Splatfest World Premiere itself. Yeah, so um, among this, they have new weapons, new uh, new maps, and there's going to be 12 maps at launch, and then they're going to have uh, more maps as free updates for it. So, um, are there of you big Splatoon fans? Uh, not really. I like Splatoon. I like uh, a lot of what they do with that game. It's probably the best competitive Nintendo game. And, like, mostly because <clears throat> not only does... Uh, not only is the game fun, but it works online. I was about to say, it's one of the games that's uh, for that's on the Nintendo console that's actually well-optimized online. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really interested to see how far Nintendo leads into the competitive aspect of this, because Splatoon 3 has a very loving community that very much enjoys these games, and I really hope that they get everything they're hoping for when it launches on September. Yeah, well, here's the I, I get the impression that Splatoon 3 is going to be heavily pushed as an eSports game, because last, Splatoon 2 had the uh, Ketchup versus Mayo competition. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So, and it is it is a very well, it's very well uh, made for, for an eSport. I mean, it's fun to look at for observers, and it's kind of easy to tell what's going on in it. Yes. Yeah, I, I really like uh, it's it's very chaotic in the fact that you can dive into the ground and come out somewhere else. But I really also think that uh, I really also think that the game is just fun to watch. It's so perky and energetic and pretty uncomplicated. You just it's just a bunch of characters trying to paint their zone more than the other zone. It's funny that a lot of people focus on fighting each other and forget about painting, and it's like the smart players will hang back and just paint, and they won't even notice them covering, over-covering their, the things that they were just uh, laying down. Um, you know what's interesting about Splatoon is that it's the only un- new IP that Nintendo's done in like 10 years or something. You know, uh, there's, they've had, they haven't done any. This is the first original game they had. From their usual, you know, Star Fox, Mario, Zelda, uh, you know, the, the basic, yeah, all the basic. This, this is this still is the only fresh new IP that they have in the past ten years. Mm-hmm. And it's beloved, and especially in Japan, Japan loves this game. Yeah, well, you know that that happens when you create something new. You can have new fans. <laughs> The music is really good. The character designs are just good. I love the Inklings. They're very funny. Um, the Salmon, the Salmonids are also funny. Um, but yeah, the it's it's just fun. Like the whole thing is just fun, and it looks like they're really going all out to expand all of it from the competitive aspect. They're gonna have a story mode. They're gonna have a hub where you can like run around the city and like buy items and interact with various NPCs. They're going to have, uh, they're, they're talking about doing like seasons worth of, com- uh, of cosmetics and weapons. Like we, we mentioned that in the story, but, uh, but that's like, that means that we're, that means that we're going to see a new weapon in Splatoon three, at least four times a year. And that can be very interesting, whether it's for better or worse. Cause sometimes you have a weapon that just takes over the meta. Mm-hmm. 
There's also going to be three new Amiibos as well on launch mm-hmm. for the game. Uh, by the way, the game is launching on September 9th, so in case anybody's wondering. So it's not very far off. Yeah, this is going to be a very, very, very exciting game. I can't wait for uh, Splatoon 3 to come out. I can't wait for the Splatfests, too. Those are like the funnest thing in the gaming community when they happen. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Street Fighter VI introduces Kimberly at EVO, and this comes from Eurogamer. It wouldn't be an EVO without some character announcement, so Capcom took the opportunity this evening to show off the next two characters making up Street Fighter's roster. The return of Jury alongside Kimberly, a fighter making her series debut. Uh, they showed both in action. Uh, Jury makes her entrance with one of the slickest Akira slides that you'll ever see. While Kimberly is uh, described by Capcom as a spunky new ninja who has special moves involving spray cans and a Walkman, because she's supposed to be you know, all into the 80s style. And 80s love, you know, if there was ever a decade in which people are really into ninjas, it was the 80s. Um, and one amusing thing one amusing thing is that um, when someone on, on Twitter noticed that she looks like a grown-up version of Susie Carmichael from Rugrats because of her three <laughs> braids. She does. <laughs> I love that. That's really funny. It's true. Um, she has those uh, three long braids. And she's uh, so. Here's the thing. Um, I heard people and heard people uh, say that she's kind of a bouncy character. She's one of those characters that just bounces all around the screen. Um. So some backstory on her. She's very much. She idolizes Guy from Final Fight, the ninja, the the red uh, geed ninja. Um. So Guy has appeared in a few different Street Fighter games, Street Fighter Alpha, the Street Fighter Alpha games in particular. Um, his master, Zeku, appeared in Street Fighter V. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> is this the... Yes, it is. They do look uncannily close, <laughs> uncannily similar <laughs> in their design. But, um... So... A few things about her her infatuation with Guy in particular. She uses some of his attacks. She's a she's a the style she's using is Bushin Ryu, which is Guy's a uh, fighting style. Um, she obviously mixes those spray cans and uh and some uh and some graffiti and and musical style into it. But like, she also has like shoulder pads that remind me of uh, Sodom from a fi- from a Final Fight, who is this giant ninja dude. With uh, daggers, who has these giant shoulder pads, um, and like she is, I like the designs they've been doing for Street Fighter Six. I actually got a chance to play it for a little bit, a demo of it at uh, Evo 2022, and I gotta say, as much as I hated, hated, hated Street Fighter Five, and think it's absolute garbage. Street Fighter Six feels good so far in the early runnings. It feels impactful. It feels Free flowing, it it's it it picks up the pace in a good way, and the fighting com and the combat like flows well. Um, I was really happy to see uh alongside Kimberly, Jury was also revealed, and she's coming back from Street Fighter four and five. She uh she she uses Taekwondo and a lot of kick based attacks, and she's sadistic, and she has a motorcycle, and she has a cell phone. That has cute little uh, horns on it that look like her horns. I love her. 
I could gush over this for a long period of time, but like the point being, Capcom is doing a good job at uh, at bringing each new reveal for Street Fighter Six. I really enjoy what they've been doing with that game so far, and I'm like, a, I'm probably the biggest hater on Street Fighter Five. Yeah. Well, you know, it's coming out next year, and it's going to be on all, multiple platforms, so you can tell that they really want to polish this thing up. Because of because of the criticism about Street Fighter V. For sure. It feels like it's in good hands. The director of the game really cares about it. He's got a lot of good energy about it. And uh, he feels like he's ex- – it feels like people that are as excited to work on Street Fighter V as we are to play it. And I feel like – because it's a different director than what we had for Street Fighter V and a long time. Like uh, the the previous director stepped off the – I think he – I think he moved on from Capcom to either retire or just move on to something else. But um, but the people that are currently working on Street Fighter Six really show that they get, they care so far, and I feel like the whole community feels that too. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see more of what we get as we get closer to the finish line for this game. But like, I'm impressed so far. So. Just to recap, the, the confirmed characters so far are Chun-Li, Guile, Jamie, Kennedy, Kimberly, uh, Jury, Luke, and Ryu. Those are the confirmed characters so far. There's only seven of them, too, so you can be, it's going to be a much bigger uh, thing than that. Yes. This is going to be... I wonder like, if, if, if the roster leaks that we saw are accurate... It's going to be a very interesting roster for this game. It's going to have the uh, the original World Warriors of uh, Street Fighter 2 minus Sagat. And then uh and then we're going to have uh, some returning characters from Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5. And then we're going to have like a whole row of all new characters of which we've seen 3 so far. And it's really kind of cool. Although I hope they don't wait until Season 3 to put Sagat in the game, because he's one of my favorite characters, and I don't want to wait until Season 3 to play him. Yeah. It's, uh, like I said, um, it's it's going to be interesting because they're really trying to, um, they're really trying to, uh, uh, you know, reassure people that this is not going to be the same problematic ver- oh, problematic I don't like that word but anyways uh, it's going to be a lot different than Street Fighter 5 I mean they patched the hell out of Street Fighter 5 but I think the reputation stuck so they're really having to you know get the trust back from people yeah and I think they're going about it the right way because if you think about it Capcom has been on a tear of good games since they launched Resident Evil 7. Um, They have, like, they've had, like, I can't think of anything that Capcom has really shit the bed on since Resident Evil 7 happened. They did Resident Evil 2 remake and 3 remake, and those were, even if people didn't like 3 as much, it's still a pretty decent game. They've done the Monster Hunter games, which everybody loves. Uh, they have been working on this new Street Fighter, which everybody is very much enjoying. Uh, they've done some collect, some like classic arcade bundles, which were really cool. I like the Capcom fighting collection a lot. Yeah. And, 
and they're doing more Resident Evil stuff that they're bringing. They're doing a Resident Evil Four remake, which everybody is super hyped about. It feels like Capcom is on a trajectory where it's like the winningest Japanese developer out there right now. Yep. Um, did any game at Evo that you didn't have any information about impress you? Um, out of the reveals? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the the uh, announcements for King of Fighters because Garou Mark of the Wolves is not uh, two is not something anyone expected to see, and that is something that I'm going to play the holy heck out of when it ha- when it finally comes. Um, if I liked anything, uh, Evo 2022 was the event where. Almost every game got the announcement of rollback netcode, which made a lot of people happy. Um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z got got rollback netcode. Uh, Tekken Seven got uh, got netcode improvements. Uh, King of Fighters is getting netcode improvements. Um, I do believe that Melty Blood also got a whole bunch of uh, different improvements, inc- including netcode and game uh, mechanics. It was just kind of like, you get rollback, you get rollback, everybody gets rollback. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, um, excuse me. Where'd it go? I did, uh, a lot of, uh, I did a lot of interviews and I did a lot of walking and a lot of pictures out there. It was quite an impressive event. Let me ask you a question. Which is the booth that you stayed at the longest? Easily Arc System works. Right. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, I stayed at, I checked out a few others as well. I, uh, I I walked by the they had a multiverse. they had multiverses out there, WB Games did. And uh, they did a big old tournament for uh, multiverses that wasn't like an official part of Evo, but it was like a thing at Evo. Mm. And uh, it was fun watching people play that game competitively because it is very much a Smash clone, but it also isn't it like the characters in multiverses are very janky to the point where you have like Velma as like an S tier top character and everybody uses her. Um, but it was fun to watch. It was fun to see like, cause it's a two versus two game. You have to like do partners. And so seeing people coordinate and figure out how to defeat the other team and do well at it was really fun to watch. Um, so that's probably the one that if, if you take arc system works off the board, which it was pretty obvious for me, but, uh, then multiverses is probably the one I spent the most time watching. Yeah, by the way, uh, some additional news. I think Multiversus uh, has top 12 million uh, users now. It's a free-to-play game, so it's not that difficult. But, uh, yeah, right now it's, it, it's the hot, new hotness, but they just have to uh, just make sure – they have to make sure they, they keep the content coming in order to survive because it is free-to-play and they rely on the um, live service play. Yes. Um, there, uh, there's a lot going on with multiverses after Evo too. They're, they're rebalancing the holy heck out of a lot of the characters. Um, Wonder Woman is getting buffs, which, uh, Wonder Woman, one of the characters that, or one of the players that actually won the, uh, tournament that multiverses was doing was a Wonder Woman main. 
So she's clearly not as weak as everybody thought she was, but she's still getting buffed in this patch. Uh, Bugs Bunny was a menace, so Bugs Bunny is taking some uh, nerfs in this coming update. Um, same with Velma, I do believe. There's a... <clears throat> There's a lot going on with that game, and they clearly understand like what they want out of it, but also I think having it at Evo and having it in its first major large-scale competition put out a lot of, like... Basically, everybody could see where the flaws are in the game. For one thing, you can just pause the game in the middle of a match without any sort of delay, which is a big no-no in fighting games. You don't want to pause a match even by mistake, because if you do, you have to give up the set. You lose. You you lose that round automatically. And so uh, every other fighting game, like Guilty Gear, Tekken, uh, Street Fighter... If you try to pause the match, then uh, it makes you have to hold it for at least the pause button for at least a second before it will activate. I don't know why multiverses didn't do that already. It's kind of amateur shit, in my opinion. Yeah. Anyways, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with the news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy your feedback. Leave us comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, hit us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. Find me at Johnny Chugs. And charge more. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.